That's what we're talking about. We're in the Bible. Who has your Bible with you? All right. It's really quiet, but that's all right. All right. Um, so, hey, good morning. My name's Tim, and, uh, and man, you guys showed up this morning. It's awesome to have a good crowd this morning worshiping. You also made it hot in here. Anybody a little toasty? That's just me. Uh, I was playing drums, so I'm like, I need a shower after I do that. Um, hey, so we're in the book of Genesis, and we're talking about God's story in our beginning. And, um, and today, I'm introducing the book of Genesis. So last week, I introduced the whole Bible. Who was here last week? where I taught the whole Bible in one sermon, right? We went through the whole thing. And, um, and if you missed it, honestly, you need to go back and watch last week's message because it gives you the context of the entire scriptures so you understand where Genesis fits in to this bigger story of God and our relationship with him and our beginnings with him. Now, if you are new to us, we always have these, what is this called, our series guide. And in it, we want you to spend time with God every day. And, um, and we want to give you a tool to do that. So if you have one of these, you, if you don't have one, you can always grab them. They're usually on the table or out at the Welcome Center. Grab a copy because on it, um, there's a little way to spend time with God on one side. And you just honestly just read it. It makes sense on how to do it and how to spend time with God. And on the other side, as verses that you can read leading up to the sermon that we preach on Sunday. So you're cheating. It's awesome. You get to cheat and, and like listen ahead and, and see what we're talking about um, as we dig into this. So um, so yeah, so grab that. And on the bottom, there's always a memory verse. We want to hide God's word in our head so it moves to our heart and affects our hands, how we live, right? To our head, to our heart, to our hands. And that's, that's what we want to do. God transforms us when we do the disciplines that he called us to do. And, um, and that's what we're looking for. We want all of you, all of us, to experience our mission to help those who are broken find wholeness in Christ. And with that, it's a journey. And it starts somewhere, and then it has a process. And some of you maybe need to start today. You haven't even started this journey. Uh, my prayer is that you would understand God loves you. He's here. He's present. He has a word for you. He wants to encourage you. He, he, and trust me, he's done everything to show his love for you, okay? Those of you who have started the journey, keep walking. Keep pressing on. Keep pressing forward, right? Those of you who are in a valley, keep walking through the valley. Let God join you. I would encourage you, if you're in a valley, don't walk it alone. Have some Christ followers beside you, praying for you. I know that's our family right now. We've been in a valley, and we're grateful for a church body who's praying for us, encouraging us, and blessing us while we're in a valley season. God doesn't—actually, we get closer to God usually in the valley, right? And, um, and so if that's you, I, I pray you're getting closer to God. You're being intentional. Maybe some of you are here at church this morning because that's what you needed. Um, you need to get closer to this God that loves you. So we have a memory verse on the bottom of that. And um, the memory verse that we're talking about for the first part of this is 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17. And I'm going to have us all read this out loud together and as we do each Sunday just to get it in our minds, okay? And so everybody ready to read out loud? Yeah. All right, let's read out loud. Here we go. All Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Now you're thinking that's a lot of words for a memory verse, Tim, and it is, because we've got a lot of time to memorize it, all right? So do it in parts, you know, memorize first verse and second verse later, and, and, and just keep adding to it, because here's the cool thing. All scripture, meaning everything that we read in the Bible, is from God. It's God's word. He spoke it to us. What does it do? It teaches us, meaning we don't know things, and we need to know things, right? It rebukes us. Rebuke is not a bad thing. Rebuking is finding something wrong and calling you on it, right? That's, that's what Scripture does. It, it reveals the things that we need to grow and change in. Correcting, meaning like maybe we're just a little off, and it's whoo, just bringing a little back over. That's correcting. And training in righteousness. 
that's a process, right? Have you ever trained for a marathon? I haven't, right? So, but I don't know if you have. Like, it takes a lot to train for anything, and for us to train for the life we live, like, it takes training in God's Word to do that so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped. You'll have everything. You already have everything. You have every tool that you need to succeed with God so that you can be equipped for every good work, that he has good works for you. I feel like let's just pray, say amen, let's go home, all right? That's, this is a good verse right here that, uh, that we want to memorize. So we're teaching God's word. That's what we do here at New Hope. We get in the books of the Bible. We help you understand it. And today, um, I want us to read um, John chapter 1. So if you have a Bible with you, open it up to the book of John uh, chapter 1. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, and we're just going to read the first five verses. And if you don't know where John is, it's okay. You can go to the very beginning of your Bible, or if you have an app, just click John, which is awesome, in the table of contents. And, um, and you can get there. It's in the Gospels, in the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, fourth book. And, uh, and we're going to read this together. And here at New Hope, when we read God's Word together, we stand. So if you can stand with us, um, that'd be awesome. And we can uh, honor God's Word as we stand together and as I read it. So... So this is what it says. It says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. God we need your light. We need Jesus. That's, that's what this is talking about. Jesus was there at the beginning, and he will be there at the end, and he is with us today. Today, God, we want you to speak to us. We want to experience the love of Christ in our lives today, and we need to understand the importance of the book that we're studying in the book of Genesis, and I'm praying, Holy Spirit, would you just fill me with your words? When I'm weak, you are strong. So be strong for all of us this morning, God, and that your word would not return void. It would just accomplish what you want to accomplish in each of our hearts this morning. And we just invite you, Holy Spirit, we just ask this in Jesus' name. Everybody said amen. 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 Awesome. You guys can have a seat. Let me see what I got going here. Hello. Skipping around on me. Um, do we have any movie lovers? Anybody love, love watching movies? Um, anybody love, like, really complicated movies? Like, the, the kind of movies that, like, the plots are so crazy that your brain's hurting by the end? Like, anybody like those kind of movies? Uh, have you ever, um, do you know the person that whenever you go see a movie, they talk through the whole movie? Do you guys know that person that's like, come on, would you just zip it? I'm trying to watch, and they're like, hey, what happened? What, what, what did he say? I didn't, like, anybody know that person? You can point at them right now if you want to, all right? They might be in the room with you. That's fine. <laughs> To say, oh, I see them. Yeah, they're right there, right? Like, come on, stop talking. I'm trying to get into it. Now, here's something that's really, I think for all of us, have you ever got in, and, and um, got to a movie late and you got in there like 10 minutes after the movie had started? Or maybe your friends or somebody, your family was watching a movie and you show up and it's already been like 15 minutes into the movie and then you show up and you've never seen it before. Has that ever happened to anybody before? Like, it, that just creates confusion, doesn't it? Because usually the whole plot's set up in the first five minutes. 
you miss the first five minutes and then you're going to be confused the rest of the movie. Like, what's going on? What's happening there? Like, I don't know if you've watched like The Matrix or something like that. Like you watch any of the Bourne movies. Like you watch like Hive, like crazy kind of stuff. And you're like, I, I don't even know what's going on in the whole movie. So then you are going to be the one that's talking, what is he? Why do he say that? What's, what is this thing? You know, it can, can really get annoying. It can get really frustrating um, when you get into movies like that. Now, here's the thing. Uh, it, for us in Scripture, so many times we get into the Bible, and maybe you start halfway through the Bible, or maybe you just start in the New Testament, and you start reading. And the reality is, if you do that, you're missing the beginning. You're missing out on the foundation for everything else you're going to read in the whole Bible. You're missing the story. And so we are studying the book of Genesis because it is the beginning. It is the foundation. In Genesis, the book of Genesis we're going to go through, we will see all the things that you need to understand about God, about you, about salvation, like all of it's in there in the very beginning. And so that's why we're going back to the very beginning. Now, if you have your worship programs, we always put fill in the blanks in there so that you can follow along and pay attention and, and have something to do while I'm boring you. But this is what it's, this is point number one, okay? Genesis is the beginning of our story. It's the beginning of all of us, okay? And our relationship with God. It's the beginning of God wanting a relationship. And so this is going to be the foundation for what we're talking about through this whole book. It's our, it's Genesis is the beginning of our story and our relationship with God. You can fill in the blanks there. Now this morning, I'm, um, because I'm doing the intro to Genesis, I'm going to be all over the place with scriptures. And I know, I think there's one scripture on your notes that says Hebrews something, right? Does it say Hebrews 4? Yeah, cross that out. That was last week, so I just didn't have time to update that. So when I printed the worship programs, it's been one of those kind of weeks, you know? Um, so you're going to, if you want to write down all these passages that I go through, just pay attention, and, uh, and you can keep notes. That's why there's lines on the bottom and, and space for you to take some notes. And, um, but there is a spot for you to fill out the whole Genesis series outline. We'll get there in just a minute, okay? But this is why we're teaching the book of Genesis. Now, <clears throat> last week, you guys remember this? Yep. This is, if you weren't here last week, I'm serious. You have to go back and watch this. I, I, you have to. Like, it's just non-negotiable. If you want an A in the class, go watch this. All right? So, like, because it is foundational for us to understand what we're digging into. This is the words that we use to tell the whole story of the Bible, right? That <clears throat> as you journey through it, creation is the very beginning where God called us to relate and rule, relate with him and each other and rule the creation he gave us. And then we saw brokenness enter in. So let's say these words together, all right? I'm just going to point and we're going to say them out loud together in the whole story of the Bible. First you have creation. And then what came? brokenness. And then Abraham got a promise, which was awesome. Great promise. It's for all of us still. And then Moses later on got the law. We call it the Ten Commandments, was the very first part of the law. And then the Ten Commandments, the thing is, the Israelites were like, yay, we love you, God. And they said, oh, but something shiny over here. And they entered into a season of, say it with me, rebellion, right? So they just rebelled against God. And that pattern we see through the rest of the Old Testament. The Jews, the Israelites, coming to God, go away from God. Coming to God, go away from God. It's still in our hearts. It's free will, right? We love God, we rebel. We love God, we rebel. And we come back to him, we feel great, and then we disappear because we don't need him anymore, and then boom, things go south. That's that season of rebellion, but praise God because he wanted to finish all of that. And he entered in, and, and what happened when Jesus showed up? Grace. Grace is a good thing. It's us getting what we do not deserve meaning we get a relationship with God. We get forgiveness of sins. We get to be in heaven for eternity in the new Jerusalem we're talking about, right? We get to be with God in his presence. No more sin, no more brokenness, all that fun stuff because of God's grace 
Jesus lived, he walked, and he helps us understand what grace is. When he ascended back into heaven after he accomplished dying on the cross and conquering death, he gave us the what? Spirit. The Holy Spirit of God came down to be inside of us, not just hovering around, not just doing things here and there, but now in all Christ followers, we live in the point of history of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit lives in us. That's God's presence in you. Woo! So many times we do this with the Holy Spirit, though, right? Because our free will still wants to go back. I'm Lord. I'm in control. And that's where grace comes back again, and we come back to God, and we start walking in the Spirit, right? One day, while we're living in the time of the Spirit, we're waiting for Jesus to return. As he has promised, I will come back. And when I come back, it is going to be a feast and a banquet like none other. I will drink from the last cup of the promise, the, the promise of fulfillment, because everything will be back the way God dreamed it to be in the garden. But it's not a garden, it's a city called New Jerusalem. And in New Jerusalem, we're going to spend what with him? Eternity, forever with God. We'll relate with him and each other with no brokenness, no sin, no selfishness, back in his dream in the garden. And we will experience his rule in New Jerusalem, which is going to be a good thing. There you go, the whole Bible. Boy, I should have just preached that last week, shouldn't I have? (laughs) So this is what we're talking about. And so we are starting now from the beginning, the book of Genesis. And, and, uh, and in Genesis, we see this book, the book of Genesis, we believe, and, and Jesus affirms it, that the first five books of the Bible, it's called the Pentateuch, okay, the Pentateuch or the Torah, and in these first five books were written by Moses himself. We actually see Jesus talk about it um, when he's talking to the Pharisees in John chapter 5. So Jesus knew the Torah, right? He, was, he grew up Jewish. He grew up in the temple. He grew up reading and studying. Um, he helped write them, but he was there in person in the, in the flesh. And so he was talking to the Pharisees, and he was trying to get their attention because they were not living like the kingdom of heaven. They were living like religious rule, which is all about um, the law. It was all about legalism. He's like, you are missing heaven. You're so close, but you're so far away. And he's trying to teach them, listen, you understand the Pentateuch. You understand the first five books. And he says, for if you believed Moses, you would believe me, for he wrote about me. But if you do not believe, or if, if, if you do not believe his writings, then how will you believe my words? So Jesus actually is affirming that Moses was the one that wrote the first five books of the Bible, including Genesis. So if Jesus said it, I'm pretty sure it's true right? And we're going to see that a lot this morning, okay? If you believe Jesus is the Son of God and he died for you, I, I would just hope you believe all the words he said and what he spoke and how he was the authority of God when he showed up representing the kingdom of heaven for us to understand it today, still today, right? And so Jesus affirms Moses is the author of the book of Genesis. Now, we're going to get back to some notes, okay? Because I, this is the outline that we're going to go through through the whole book of Genesis, it starts with creation. All right, you can write that. Creation. Everybody say it with me. Creation. Chapters one and two. Usually think you think the book of Genesis is the book of creation. It's only the first two chapters. <laughs> like there's a lot in there, okay? Uh, the creation story. So we're going to talk and teach on that. Um, next Sunday, that's what we're kicking off um, into chapters one and two. And then it moved from creation to the fall. Everybody say it with me. Fall, okay? So that's chapters three through five. That's when brokenness entered into our story. That's when sin came. That's where rebellion, you know, from God. Like, I want, they wanted to be like God. 
And so they ate from the fruit of the tree. And it didn't bring them more like God. It brought them shame and separation. And so that's what happened in the fall. Later on, we get farther down after the fall into chapter 6 through 9. And you know this probably is Noah's Ark, right? The Noah's Ark story, which is, I think is hilarious that we, hey, let's decorate our kids' room with Noah's Ark. Yeah, all the dying people on the rocks. All right, so like... <clears throat> It's actually like a very crazy like story, all right? It's, it's not a nursery rhyme, all right? Um, so this is the flood. Everybody say it with me. Flood, okay? This is God's judgment on earth at the very beginning in the book of Genesis. Okay, that's what I'm saying. And then you, you move on because then Noah and the repopulated and nations start to grow. So chapters 10 and 11 is where we see nations start to build up. And so everybody say that word with me nations, all right? So the nations start populating. They start, you know, just taking over the, the earth. Um, and that led to a point of division where languages then showed up and God divided them because they thought they were still getting greater than God. It's a crazy how rebellion just is always in our hearts. It has been just free will. Like, we just want to choose that. And it's like, why do we choose that? Urgh. Frustrating. And we're going to talk about that as we go through this. So that's the first four sections of the book of Genesis. Then it moves into history and genealogy. It's the story and the foundation of the Jews, of the Israelites, and us as Christ followers today. Because you move into the characters that we're going to teach on and learn their whole stories. And so it moves into chapters 12 through 25, this guy by the name of Abraham. Say it with me. Abraham, Abraham right? His name first starts as Abram, and then God changes it to Abraham. And, uh, and we have, you know, one Sunday to, to teach a lot on Abraham, Okay. Um, and from Abraham, Abraham is given a promise of a son. His son is born at a very old age, and his name is Isaac, okay? So everybody say his name with me. Isaac, and he's chapters 26 and 27. Just poof, two chapters real quick right in there um, is Isaac and his story. Isaac then has kids, and one of his kids is, say it with me, Jacob, chapters 20 through 36. So Jacob becomes the beginning works of God starting to fill the promise that he gave to Abraham that your name's going to be great, you're, 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 um, you're going to be a great nation, right? Like, you're going to have a great people. It's like, how's that going to happen? It's just me and Sarah, and we got some servants and one kid, right? Like, this is where it all starts to begin then, because Jacob ends up having 12 sons. And later on, Jacob, in this scene, wrestles with God, and in that moment, in the wrestling, physical wrestling with God, God changes Jacob's names to Israel, which oddly means wrestles with God. Um, and so Israel, now he has 12 sons, and those 12 sons become the 12 tribes of Israel. Now Jacob had a favorite son. I know you don't have favorite kids, whatever, right? Like, um, but he did, and it was Joseph. And Joseph was his youngest son, and he loved Joseph better, more than his other. His brothers were jealous and ticked off about it. And so Joseph's story actually is the beginning of them heading to this land in Egypt, right? So Joseph, let's say his name went together. Joseph, chapters 37 through 50, where we see the story of God's faithfulness to Joseph and his integrity in the midst of some crazy peaks and valleys of his life, leading to where Joseph became one of the greatest rulers in Egypt. That whole story sets up Exodus because then they moved into Egypt and then the, the Israelites, all the brothers, and the, they all moved in there and they started multiplying and growing and, and they became a nation of millions over 400 years, but they became a slave nation as Pharaoh took control over them 
and then you get into the book of Exodus, which is what we're not teaching on. Okay, so we've kind of taught a lot about Exodus. If you've been here for a while, like what happened in Exodus and, the, and then the promises God gave them that we still live in, those four promises, connect, grow, serve, and go, all that stuff goes into, into that. So this is the outline of the book of Genesis that we're going to be going through together, okay? Is everybody excited? Yeah, some of you have studied these things before. Some of you maybe, if you grew up in church, you have the Sunday school versions of some of these stories that we're going to read. Just so you know, the Sunday school kid versions are not the same as if you actually read them as an adult. There's R-rated stuff in here, y'all, okay? So um, this is a little NC-17 when you read the Bible. I thought that would excite some of you. All right. uh, Like, seriously, it's interesting. It gets crazy as you read what happened through this story in... uh, in this book. So we, we know that the book of Genesis is important uh, for a lot of reasons. There are some of the reasons I've already said. It's also quoted well over 200 times throughout the New Testament, the book of Genesis by itself. Jesus quotes Genesis, which brings affirmation to the truth that happened in the book of Genesis, that, that, um, that it is foundational for doctrine. In the book of Genesis, we find the origin of man we understand sin and free will, the rise of nations and governments and languages. We, we get to experience and, and read about God's promise, that he is a God of promise and a God of covenant. And for us, we get to learn the roots and the foundation of our Christian faith still today. And so we're going to go into it, and we're going to learn it, and we're going to build upon this foundation as we go through this together. Now, the Bible, uh, the book of Genesis, um, it covers about a 2,500-year period of history, okay? So that's a pretty long time um, to, to learn about and to understand. <clears throat> In it, we see that there... Hmm, how, how do I want to say this? I want us to be careful as Christ followers because there is two different worldviews you're going to walk in and be taught. One is a biblical worldview, which we see from the Bible. We see in scriptures that it's not just a story, it's not mythology, like there's history in it. There's lists and genealogies, there's dates, there's kings, and there's reigns of nations. There's, like we see in it actually the history of the world. And, uh, and yet there's another worldview that's continually just bombarded us, and that's what I would call the worldly view, right? The worldview based upon what the world wants you to understand, whether that might be science or that might be, um, that might be culture, other things are trying to tell you what really happened and when it happened. And for me, and for us as Christ followers, if we're going to stand and rest that God's word is God's word, we're going to rest and say then God's word is history and that it forms and shapes the way I think and it also shapes the way I think about what happened in this world. And so when we look at the history of the book of Genesis, we understand that the earth is not billions and billions of years old and that we weren't created by a goo okay? That is something that science still in theory is trying to prove, which is interesting because the more they see, the more they understand it's disproved and they can't prove it. That we see that God is God. He spoke and we were. And so when we see this, even in the timeline of history, we know that we can look at the timeline in the Bible and actually map out the history of the world 
through the timeline of Scripture, starting way back here in the book of Genesis. Now, you may not be able to read all that, and it's okay. You can go Google a biblical worldview and a biblical timeline of the history of the world, okay? Um, later on, you can do that. This, this was one I found. I'm like, okay, it's really small. It's hard to see. But here's what we know. We absolutely can um, take from the history through the Old Testament every single one of the generations listed, all the genealogies, all the points leading back here to Abraham. We can go back here to, to the early you know, 2000 um, BC timeframe. And so we actually see that in scripture. So for me, biblically, I believe in a young earth, meaning this world is not billions and billions and billions of years old. Uh, it's generally believed that the earth is between four and 6,000 years old. That's that's the amount of history we have looking biblically. And so when we see this timeline going back to this creation, I want us to understand here that at New Hope, we believe in some things, okay, as we read the book of Genesis. And I believe it is a young earth. And you say, but, but it took like billions of years for like after the Big Bang. It's in, they already disproved the Big Bang. Did you, did, go Google that. Like the Big Bang couldn't have happened because of how things are expanding. Like they actually go back and say, actually, it couldn't have happened that way. That's what astronomers are doing and studying and looking at the stars today. You get down to microbiology, looking at the smallest cell, which disproves evolution from nothing. Okay? Uh, okay. I, I got to use my time well. I, I want us to even just think about it this logically today, okay? Think about even population growth. The United States of America is a young country. We're a very young country. Uh, less than 250 years old we are. And yet, in America, our population, um, as of a couple years ago, was 332 million people. There weren't that many people on this continent when it was discovered, right? Because population just, we happen to do this thing. And it's like, all of a sudden, babies show up, right? And then, like, multiplication happens, and then, like, the earth population continues to grow. That 250 years is not a very long time period. So imagine billions and billions and billions of years, like the earth would already be done. We would already used it all up if that is really how old this, the, the earth is. It's not that old. So when we look at the timeline, I, I want you to understand some things. Number one, the creation story in the history of Genesis, it is not a fairy tale. This is not in a land far, far away a long, long time ago. Like, this is God's word. He breathed this scripture through Moses and the Holy Spirit for us to know that this is truth. This isn't mythology. This isn't like the gods one day were bored and they decided to do something and create somebody to play with. Like, this isn't mythology. This is so much more than this. It actually, I understand this. It takes way more faith to believe in some of the science and, and some of the evolutionary theories than it does to believe that God created. It does. Because I can't imagine, like, think about this. Let, let's say, you know, the earth was just, it was just land, and all of a sudden there's this blob that kind of came up onto, out, out of the water onto, onto land, and, and, and all of a sudden that blob started turning into like a, a rubbery kind of substance just evolved into that and then and then it evolved to, to start to like form a, a tread on it it had like a pattern on it and then that tread in, in eventually like formed into a circle and then that circle is like i need something so it it 
formed into a, a rim that went inside of the circle with the tread that was on it. And, and after billions of years, all of a sudden, there was this thing that it looked like a car, and this car was fully autonomous, and, and it could run all by itself and drive all by itself, and it could communicate with other cars and, and know exactly what's going on. What? Uh, do you understand that like we humans created a car? A car didn't just create itself. It took intelligent design for it to become what it is. It just doesn't pop out. We didn't just pop out of a little molecular blob that grew and evolved. You are way more complicated than a Tesla, y'all. Actually, you're so complicated that we as humans don't know how y'all work. Do you know why they call it a medical practice? Because they're still practicing. They're still trying to figure things out. They're still trying to make sense of, oh, that's the way that does that? That's, I mean, imagine trying to develop a material that when it gets scratched and wounded, it heals itself, scars over, flakes off, and then is no longer seen. We can't do that. And we're pretty smart. But God, but God... It's interesting, studying even down to the level of microbiology is actually disproving evolution because in, in the inner workings of the simplest cell are mechanisms that communicate. This is what they're learning and they're seeing. They communicate with each other on that microbiological level. And they've learned if even one part, if one part is not working, that cell is no longer. It doesn't exist. It can't live and can't survive. So if it couldn't survive without that one part then how did it evolve to become that? It can't. This is called irreducible complexity. It, it doesn't work. You think about even the fossil records that, were, that people study like are still disproving. When you see a dinosaur's footprint right next to a human footprint and they're dated the same date, what? Oh, 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 that was an anomaly. That was Bill wearing his boots. Come on, Bill. You know, like we see... It takes way more faith to believe in science than it does to believe in God. And that's really all I'm going to say about it. Because for us, we believe in the beginning, God. God was before we were. God knows no time. He always has been. He always will be. He is God. And for some reason, God chose to speak to create. And all of his creation said was good until he made Adam. He said, oh, this is good. The only thing he said is not good is that Adam was alone. So he created Eve. So Eve could have Adam, Adam could have Eve, and they both could have God. God wanted relationship. Why? Because he was bored and wanted toys to play with? Uh, no. I don't, I can't, honestly, there are things about God I can't answer. I'm just grateful he chooses. He chose to make you. He chose to make me. And he chooses to love us and want to relate with us. We believe here at New Hope, we believe in a literal six-day creation and a seventh-day rest. Meaning, I don't, I, I can't tell you that when God spoke in day one, that that, that, that day was a billion years 
And then, oh, the next day, well, that was like a billion years. And the next day, well, that was like a billion years. Why? Well, you know, people say, well, there's this verse where God says, well, like a day is like a, a thousand years to God, and a thousand days is like a year. But here's the thing. When you take a scripture out of context and put it on top of another scripture, it doesn't make it truth. It just takes it out of context. Because when you actually read the very beginning, this is what you read. The day is actually defined in the passage. Verse 5, God called the light day, and darkness he called night. And there was evening, and there was morning. Say it with me. One day. Do you know what it says also in verse 8, and verse 13, and verse 19, and verse 23, and verse 31? He created evening, night, one day. Second day. Third day. Fourth day. We believe in literally 24 hours God created and spoke, and it was. Why? Because that's what it says. So I trust the inerrancy of the scriptures. When God spoke, it was. I'm grateful he made day. I'm grateful he made night. I'm grateful he made a 24-hour day. Some of you are like, I wish I had more. I'm like, I'm glad I don't have more. I have enough to do in what I got. If I had more, I'd just fill it with more, right? Like 24 hours is plenty. Thank you, God. And on the seventh day, what did God do? He rested. Why? Because he was tired? No. He was setting up a gift for us that we disregard resting. We disregard the Sabbath. You're going to hear about that and learn about that because God wanted to enjoy what he created. How often do you stop and enjoy what God gave you? We don't. I mean, in society, we don't. Culturally, we don't. We don't do that. So we see it covers 2,500-year time frame. It is the literal word of God. It's God's creation story in six days and seventh day he rested. And why do I believe this? Because Jesus agrees with it, all right? Uh, I just want to go through a few verses. You can write these down as we go through them. Matthew chapter 23, Jesus affirms the book of Genesis. We read John, John 1, in the beginning was the Word, the Word was God, the Word was with God, and it's capital W, it's talking about Jesus. So Jesus was there, the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit were there at the beginning in creation. So if Jesus saw it, and then he talks about it, when he walked on this earth, I think we have affirmation of, the, of confidence for us that these individuals, the story in the book of Genesis, um, everything that happened is truth. It's God's word. He's, this is what he talks about um, in Matthew 23. <clears throat> he said, So that upon you <clears throat> will fall the guilt of the righteous blood shed on earth. So he's talking again to the Pharisees. He's, I, he, he didn't pull any punches with the religious. He's just like, hey, you, cha, 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 cha. Like, he just goes after him. And he's like, it's your fault. You know, you were a part of the bloodshed. Israelites were a part of killing of the prophets. And, and he says, that, that guilt is on you, the bloodshed on, from the blood of the righteous Abel. Abel. So Jesus is saying about the very first, Cain and Abel. Cain murdered Abel. So Jesus is affirming, that's not just a story that's what happened, right? Because then he even goes to the blood of Zechariah, a prophet that they killed, right? He's like, you're guilty of all their blood. So he affirms it by the characters in uh, Matthew 23, verse 35. We see it again in Luke 17. We see another passage um, where Jesus is talking about Noah. He says, and just as it happened in the days of Noah. So Noah isn't a made-up story. He's like, this is history. This really happened. This is a part of the world's history. So will it be also the days of the Son of Man? People were eating, they were drinking, they were marrying, and they were being given in marriage until the day that Noah entered the ark and the flood came and destroyed them all. It's like, this is what happened. Jesus is affirming. 
And he's actually given a prophecy here. Because Jesus is saying, when I come back, y'all, the lost are going to be surprised. It's going to be a shock. I'm telling you, that's why here in Newport, we're passionate about telling people about Jesus. Because we don't want people to be shocked. Jesus is coming back. And you're either going to be ready or you're not. You're either going to be saved or you're going to be lost. Just in the time of Noah, where God just saved Noah and the family, and the rest were lost. This is Jesus' affirmation of the Old Testament, preparing us for a future that hasn't happened yet. Mark chapter 10 says this. Um, he says, but at the beginning of creation, God made them male and female. So he's, he's actually answering a question about divorce, because people are like asking, well, what about divorce? Moses said this, this, and that, and he's like, whoa, 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 whoa. Let me, let's go back to the beginning. <laughs> And so he's affirming the beginning of creation. He says, in the beginning of creation, God made them male and female. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and will be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. So they are no longer two, but one flesh. Therefore, what God has joined together, let no one separate. <clears throat> Jesus affirms at the beginning. What did God do? He made man and woman, and he set them to be in an awesome relationship with each other. So Jesus, we see, affirms the history, the characters, the creation. And so if Jesus said it, I'm going to 100% believe it. Not that I even needed it, because I already believe all of it is God's word. It's inerrant. It is truth. And it is spoken for us to know about God, to know about us, and how God wants a relationship with us. Here's the good news. The entire story is that God wants to be with you. That's the point. That's what we learned last week. God has done everything to rescue you, to forgive you from your sins, for you to have a relationship with him, but he also loved you so much, he didn't make you a robot. He gave you free will to choose that gift or to not. That's up to you. That's, that's all of you in this room. The question today is, where do you want to put your faith? <clears throat> that's the question for today. Because you're putting your faith in something. And, uh, and I can only think of three areas that you're going to put faith. Do you want to put faith in yourself? When you put faith in yourself, what you're saying is, I can be good enough. Or my good is going to outweigh my bad. And in the end, God's going to say, oh, you're, come on in, you're good. And you're putting faith in your own ability to be good and right with God. Or you're putting faith in your own, um, your own view of justice right? Your own view of like between right and wrong, your own morals. And, and you can, I'm, people do that. I mean, that's, that's, what, that's the world's, that's the way the world lives without God. That you are king of your life. You are Lord of your life. You lead and do whatever you want. I'm going to tell you, it doesn't end well. Because you in yourself, if you put faith in yourself, you're never going to be good enough to be with a holy and perfect God. And your faith is going to let you down. You're going to find yourself in the end in a place you didn't want to be in. Or you can put your faith in science or the world. You say, well, I, I believe in the billion years. I believe, you know, that we just kind of evolved and God really didn't have much to do with it. And I mean, God's kind of a good idea, but it, maybe it's for you, not for me. And so I, I'm, really just, I'm going to put my faith in science, and I would ask you, how much have you studied the science? 
How much have you researched it? Because if you're going to put your faith in something, I hope you know a lot about it. Or putting your faith in the world, like, well, I'm just going to live, I'm going to earn, I'm going to do good things, you know, I'm going to make money, I'm going to take care of my family, like, I'm just going to live the way the world, like, looks at success, you know, and, and so I'm going to trust the world and what they're given, but I'll tell you, you got any billionaire, they're just as hollow as a poor person in the Dominican Republic that doesn't know God. Because none of that gets you anywhere. For me, my house, I'm putting my faith in God and his word. Because <clears throat> when I read the scriptures, I want the promises of God. All the things God said he will do for me are way better than I can do for myself or this world ever promises. Everything God said, I'm going to give you peace. I'm going to give you hope. I'm going to give you life. I'm going to give you identity. I'm going to give you gifts and abilities. I'm going to, I'm going to teach you how to do good things and serve people and do good works. And, and, and not only that, I'm going to forgive you of every single sin. In the past, in the future, my grace is going to cover you and I'm going to be in you. I'm going to give you my spirit. That's a promise. And so you're never going to walk alone. I'm going to be with you wherever you go. I'm giving you salvation because I want to be with you forever. I'm telling you, if that is true, that's where I'm putting my faith. Why? My faith is not without merit. I've seen it proven over and 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 over again. This is what Hebrews says. Chapter 11. Now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. We're putting our faith into something, right? I'm going to put my faith and my confidence and my assurance in who I cannot see but I know is real. And that is God. And this is what it says in verse 2. So interesting. This is what the ancients were commended for. The whole history of the Old Testament. And if you read, I would encourage you to read chapter 11. Read Hebrews 11 this week. And you're just going to see person after person throughout biblical history where they chose faith in God over this world or themselves. It says, by faith, meaning we trust that God's word is true. We understand that the universe was formed at God's command so that what is seen was not made out of what was visible. That is the beginning of our faith. Right? That we can put our faith in the invisible God who we trust made all things visible. He is the God of the universe. And the crazy thing is he chose you to relate with him, to relate with each other, to start looking a little bit more like heaven in this broken earth to one day we get to be with him forever and celebrate in perfect living with him and each other in a new city. This is why Genesis is important. <laughs> this is why we're going there. Today, I don't know where you're at. I know where some of you are. I mean, I, I know some of you in this room. I know some of your stories. I know some of you are trying really hard and you're struggling. You need to know you're not alone. You need to rest on God. You need to give yourself to God. You need to give your life to God. You need to surrender because without surrender, 
you can't experience all the promises. If you try to hold on yourself, if you just keep trying to work hard, you keep trying, I'm, just, I'm trying, I'm trying, I'm trying. You're not going to get there. It only comes when you finally surrender and say, God, I cannot. I can't do it on my own. I can't keep fighting on my own. I can't keep trying to climb to you on my own. I can't do it. And then he says, finally. My hand's been out the whole time. Now let me be Lord. And let me lead you. Listen, if that's you today, I'm going to invite you to join the family, to grab his hand. Now, I know some of you in this room, you're just rebellious. I mean, you know about God, but you don't, you don't come to church often. You, you just, this, you came because somebody invited you. You came because, well, I, I wanted to, you know, see something happen. Or, and, and you're just living in rebellion. <sighs> Would God break your heart? Would you let him? Would you let him break your heart? Because he's trying to get your attention. He wants to move. The question is, will you let him? God, this morning, only you can do what you can do. God, only you can get people's attention. I, my words are useless. My words are useless without your Holy Spirit grabbing hearts and, and drawing people to you. And this morning, there are people who need you. <clears throat> I'm going to ask two things. Number one, if you don't know Jesus today, right now, would you just come to him? I'm going to lead you in prayer, but I'm telling you, my prayer is not like any magic. I can't get you any closer to God. It's you just being dependent upon him and just trusting and having faith that he has done everything for you. And if you want that right now, I'm going to ask, would you ever just bow your heads in God's presence right now? Would you just pray to God and just ask him to save you and to forgive you? And if that's you right now, just say this, say, God, I am a sinner and I've been trying, I've been trying to just live my own life. <clears throat> but today, I know I can't, I need you, and I feel you're calling me. So God, I want to give you my life. I want to give you all that I got. I want you to save me. God, I believe Jesus is your son and he died on the cross to pay for my sin <clears throat> and that he rose again and that he is alive today with you. And today, I want you to forgive me of my sins and I want to be made right with you today so I can be with you forever and eternity. So I'm asking, would you be Lord and lead my life? Give me your Holy Spirit and fill me up with your peace that only comes from you. And God, I, I want to be your child now and forever. And so just enter into my heart and my life, God. And I ask this only in Jesus' name. Amen. Stay right where we're at, guys. And those of you in